Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I'm Steve Bryce, Chief Investment Officer. And on this episode of the podcast, we'll discuss our outlook for the second half of the year and our publication, Riding the Recovery Wave. Joining me today is Manpreet Gill, our Head of Fixed Income, Currency and Commodity Strategy. Manpreet, the first half of the year is obviously behind us and it's been a really interesting ride. Um, Generally, the views we outlined in our 2021 outlook of vaccinating against valuations worked out very well, with equities outperforming bonds by over 10%. Now, H2 outlook publication is entitled Riding the Recovery Wave. Can you explain what the key messages you are trying to convey uh, from this title are? Uh, hello, Steve. Um, well, I think from the title, we, we, you know, we really sort of see, um, you know, this theme sort of picking up where vaccinating against valuations left off. Um, so if you look back over the first half of this year, and indeed over the last 12 months, we've been in an environment where, you know, since the troughs of the COVID recession, uh, we've had quite a strong recovery, uh, you know, led by the US, uh, both from an economic perspective and, as you described, from a financial market perspective. Uh, and that was led both by stimulus efforts, but also by accelerating valuations. Sitting here in the middle of 2021, though, the real question in front of us is what happens now uh, from this point onwards? Um, and I think, uh, you know, one of the themes in our view is that we've got this recovery in the U.S., you know, how, to what extent does this economic recovery start radiating out to the rest of the world? And we can see recently we're seeing signs of that in Europe already, where alongside valuations, we're seeing, uh, you know, a sharp improvement in growth, uh, which is spilling over to financial markets as well. Um, but of course, at some point, we'd expect to see this spill over uh, and see that sort of recovery wave spread to other parts of the world, like Asian emerging markets. We may not quite be there yet, uh, but that's something we'd be monitoring quite closely. One of the major concerns that people have today is is the the spike in inflation or rise in inflation that we've seen. How worried are you about that? We're very much of the view that inflation is likely to be transitory. Uh, I think there are two or three factors are are you know a little bit clear more uh, clearer in our view. So if you think about long lasting inflation, we continue to believe that will require a tightening of labor markets uh, and the resulting higher wages. And most major economies were quite some distance away from that. At the other extreme, we know the statistical effects, which are boosted inflation artificially higher in the last few readings, uh, those fall out of the equation uh, quite quickly. The key is really the part in the middle about you know, some of the supply chain disruptions. Uh, historically, these have tended to be quite transitory, uh, lasting barely a month or longer. Uh, but clearly, we know, I mean, if you look at semiconductors, for example, there's a risk that some of those disruptions might take a little bit longer to resolve in this cycle. So that's the factor for us to monitor. Uh, but we still believe it falls in the category that inflation like be transitory, uh, staying possibly elevated this year before falling back uh, to a low level in 2022. So let's let's move on to the asset class implications. Obviously, every time we talk to clients, they're worried about two things. Uh, So one is obviously elevated valuations, whether you're talking bonds or equities. Uh, The other factor is, particularly with equity markets, you've seen such a strong rally over 80% from the lows of March last year. You know, can this continue? I believe you delved into this uh, in, in the publication. Uh, we did. To, uh, we will be uh, to some extent uh, if you sort of jump into our publication itself. I think what's important here is, uh, you know, valuations absolutely are a concern. And, and particularly when you're looking at multi-year environments, that's something we address in one of our uh, 
multi-year investment themes. But I think what's important is to is when you look at equity markets in particular, the pattern we're seeing of very strong gains, you know, in the year or so after the recessionary trough. Um, you know, that's not unusual as something we've seen uh, pretty much in every other, uh, you know, uh, rebound from recessionary troughs over the past few cycles. Um, and it's not unusual to see that initial sort of surge being led by expansions in valuation multiples. Um, but what we've also seen in past cycles is that as that sort of peters out, usually uh, the growth in earnings, that's what picks up the baton. Uh, and markets tend to settle down into a phase where you know, returns are lower, uh, but you know more sustainable. So in 2009, for example, we saw a similar 80% surge in the first 12 months uh, before markets settled into you know, returning about 7.5% in the following uh, subsequent two years. Um, and, you know, as earnings begin to pick up, that does help, you know, valuation multiples begin to ease back to some extent. So, you know, we don't see sort of this cycle being any different from that perspective. Uh, we're following a consistent example. Uh, but it does mean that, you know, it, it justifies a preference for equities, but it also justifies, um, you know, uh, sort of moderating our return expectations somewhat. And, of course, looking beyond just the U.S. for equity market returns. Uh, in bond markets, arguably less of a concern. I mean, if you look at our preferences uh, within that up for uh, sit more in the risky bond uh, asset class, Actually, in Asia and emerging market dollar bonds, for example, uh, valuations measured by credit spreads, they've actually returned to about the long-term median levels. Uh, so we think there's some interesting opportunities there. Uh, gold and alternative strategies, we think, are still solid core holdings in a well-diversified investment allocation. It's really cash and investment-grade bonds. That's the, the area which stays least preferred because we think the yields are just too low uh, to compete with other asset classes. Okay, so maybe turning to a little bit more detail on the equity markets, what are the preferred areas and less preferred areas within equities? So within equities, uh, you know, Europe regionally uh, sits at the top of our preference order, um, you know, and that includes both the euro area and the UK. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, that, that sort of recovery wave uh, transferring to, to Europe, we're seeing that on the economic data uh, as vaccination picked up case. But for equity markets are showing up very strongly in earnings revisions, which have gone, you know, almost vertical. Uh, so we think that will will support, you know, further uh, equity market gains in Europe. Uh, the UK, of course, you know, similar factors, but also in the point you spoke about on valuations, actually the UK equity is one of the few major regions where valuation multiples are not as you know high as as you know most other regions are so that together with sort of a greater weight towards value style equity uh, sectors which is something i think we still prefer we think those sort of come together to support uh, both the euro area and the uk now that's not to say you know the us are still very much a preferred uh, region as well uh, you know we're not convinced that us exceptionalism in terms of earnings or uh, economic recoveries uh, you know completely done yet uh, so that still ranks obviously as a third area particularly as you know some of the you know, uh, positive news out of stress tests in the U.S. financial sector comes through, which should make the buyback story, uh, you know, more compelling than it has been over the past year. Okay, regular listeners to this podcast will will know that we're we're bearish on the dollar. That's usually a pretty good environment for Asia, ex-Japan equities. Uh, but I note that you're that's not a preferred area for you. Can you just give us a quick um, overview as to why that's the case? Well, you're right. I think uh, normally speaking, you know, we look back at history, periods of dollar weakness have tended to be good for all emerging market assets, including Asian equities. But I think the key difference today is, uh, you know, Chinese policy, uh, monetary policy in particular, uh, you know, has has a pretty uh, clear tightening bias. Uh, so that's one factor that's leaning against what would otherwise be, uh, you know, a positive factor. And the second one is, look, you know, for many countries uh, across the region that, uh, you know, recovery wave in terms of vaccinations picking up pace on a per capita basis, uh, you know, we, 
many countries are heading in the right direction now, but we still have some time to go before that sort of reaches critical mass. So, you know, those are the two offsetting factors at the moment. Uh, you know, they're leaning against Asia being preferred. But of course, both something to monitor closely, because if, if either or both change, uh, that, that of course could impact the outlook for Asia X Japan, uh, you know, positively. Okay, maybe one final question on income investing. Obviously, uh, a lot of our clients very focused on generating income from their investments. Uh, the one thing that struck me from the publication was that the, the yield uh, on our uh, diversified invest, uh, income investment allocation has fallen below 4%, I think, for the first time um, in, in this cycle. Um, so how are you dealing with that and how are you suggesting clients deal with that going forward? Well, it's a great observation because it's somewhat ironical that during a period when, you know, government bond yields actually went up, the yield on many other income assets has actually gone down as that yield, uh, sort of that valuation premium has receded. Um, but I think there are things that uh, investors can do about it. And, and two specific measures we've taken to improve yields are, uh, one is to add a tilt towards Asian high yield. Uh, you know, we, we have a preference for Asian high yield outside of income as well, uh, but we think adding that tilt within income is, is an attractive route to sort of boosting, uh, you know, uh, improving yield. And the second is within the high dividend uh, yield equity component to start adding a tilt towards euro area equities. That's consistent with our preference for the region equity markets in general, but from a dividend yield perspective, you know, the region offers a much higher dividend yield relative to, to other major regions. So those are two factors we think can help improve the yield uh, in today's environment. Okay, thanks, Manpreet, for sharing your insights. Uh, that is all for this episode of Standard Chartered, Chartered Money Insights. Uh, if you'd like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.